Welcome to episode number 143, A Unique Perspective. My name is Damon Soka. Nikola Tesla, Charles Darwin, Ludwig von Beethoven, Winston Churchill, Virginia Woolf, Mary Lincoln, Charles Dickens, Leo Tolstoy, Pablo Picasso, Ernest Hemingway, Vincent van Gogh, George Albert Smith, Joseph Stalin, and Adolf Hitler. What do all of these individuals have in common? Actually, they all suffered from various forms of mental illness. And these are just a few of the many leaders, innovators, and history-making personalities that were afflicted in some way by mental illness. Now let's talk about another very important historical figure, especially in U.S. history. He started out as a poor dirt farmer of limited education. He was born in Kentucky and later raised by his stepmother after his mother passed away. Now, he was known as well-mannered and kind as a kid. Often running around in rags for clothing, his days were spent working the land, clearing trees and brush, planting corn and raising animals. While most of the men of his days were avid hunters, he really didn't prefer it. His teenage years were filled with obtaining the necessities of life. Growing up on the frontier of the United States was really all about survival. Winter, with all its privations, would eventually come, and so spring and summer were time for preparation and for work. Now, as a young man, he stood taller than most, almost six foot three, and he was athletic to the point that winning was common a common occurrence in the games he participated. While not too much is known about his early life, his family was forced to move north from their ancestral roots while he was young. His mother's passing when he was about 10 was a difficult time for him, but a new kind step stepmother filled the gap. Then, when he was just about 19 years old, his older sister would pass away in childbirth. While death was certainly far more common at a younger age, and people were more accustomed to seeing it regularly, there is actually no real evidence that death was any less painful for those of that time than today. Books on the frontier were scarce for poverty-stricken young men, but he would read anything he could get his hands upon to read. He loved to learn and to read, so much so that the neighbors considered his reading habit a point of laziness. He always considered himself, in his later years, a self-taught man. Likely, his desire to read and the knowledge he gained provided a deep reservoir of knowledge and understanding throughout his life. Now, he would later study law by himself and pass what would be, what would be known today as the bar. He would go on to work and run a few businesses that failed. Actually, although his time in business taught him some very unique skills that would serve him well for the rest of his life, he would learn to tell stories. His oratory gift would serve him well and eventually provide him a reasonable success as a lawyer, arguing before a state supreme court. He would struggle working through the process of love and marriage. His first romance ended with the death of his fiancée. This affected him dramatically, having suffered through the death of his mother and his sister. He would then face several months of what would be called extreme melancholy. He would date again, and eventually he would marry and have four children. However, only one of those children would survive to adulthood. 
Now his wife, who often had headaches, mood swings, mood swings a fierce temper, and public outbursts, and had a shopping habit that in today's world would have looked very similar to bipolar disorder. Now, as this man grew into adulthood, the bouts of melancholy would occur regularly, but at various times in his life. While many times these bouts occurred during difficult moments, he was actually known to have them semi-regularly, and it this affected his life in serious but actually very important ways. He was religious, but also just demonstrated skepticism at times. Like most individuals, his religious views changed over the course of his life, and his later years, he appears to have been more convinced of the truths of the Bible and Christianity, although he actually never became a member of any particular sect. He failed in a great deal of ventures, including politics, and he succeeded in some others. He was obscure, relatively unknown outside of his state legislature, except for one term in the U.S. House of Representatives. He was elected to be President of the United States in 1860 and would begin one of the most storied, discussed, debated, and well-known presidencies in the history of the United States, including removing slavery as an institution and avoiding the secession of the southern United States. Yes, of course, I am talking about Abraham Lincoln, although you probably already guessed that much earlier. Abraham Lincoln is <clears throat> probably one of the most well-known and beloved presidents of the United States, seemingly brought to the presidency at a critical time in our nation. He, along with Grant and Washington, are often discussed as the three pillars or fathers of our current nation. For me, one of the most interesting parts of Lincoln's life, and of course that of his wife, is the fact that both appear to have suffered from mental illness. Abraham was thought to have incurred frequent bouts of clinical depression, while his wife appears to have incurred bipolar disorder. My personal belief, and that of a select group of others, is that Lincoln would not be the president he was without mental illness. His frequent bouts of melancholy appear to have provided for him a very unique understanding of the human condition and a skill set which he in turn used to his advantage. He was known for having the unique ability to work with men who opposed him and often had opposing opinions around him. He possessed great compassion and a seemingly ability to forgive and move forward. One of the major concerns surrounding mental illness would have proven actually very effective for Lincoln mental illness would have limited his ability to accomplish work and limited his energy at times and his ability to think. While this does not seem like it would be beneficial to a U.S. president, it would have provided that Lincoln focus his energies around what he felt most important to accomplish. Smaller matters and details that would have diverted his attention from those critical matters would have been set to the side out of necessity. Limiting one's abilities and energies and frequent sickness, whether from his terrible medications to the illness itself, would have caused Lincoln to coalesce around what was most important in his presidency and his life, and really leaving other matters to staff surrounding him. This actually would have proven very beneficial during Lincoln's presidency and the secession and the Civil War. The compassion he learned from his depressive episodes 
would have served him well as he navigated legislating slavery out of the Constitution. Lincoln, Lincoln was very unique in that he could in some ways see the plight of the slave and have compassion for their lives. While not entirely unique to Lincoln, or northerners as they were called, he seemed to have a deep drive to remove slavery. And his drive appears to stem from deeply emotional place for Lincoln. Keeping slavery alive in the southern states was politically the easiest path for him as president. But we see in Lincoln what we might be called an outlier. He was different emotionally and mentally from other persons of the time. One of the major forces that caused his uniqueness was his mental illness and those serious bouts of melancholy he faced. Lincoln talked and thought about suicide frequently during his battles with depression, and he could understand the emotional and physical plight of the slave and the idea, at least, of being held captive to something he could not always control. Certainly, he could not understand slavery from the perspective of the slave, as he had always been free, but he could more fully understand being captive to an illness that controlled his life, and that illness played a large part in his emotional development and patterns of thinking. The tragedy that so often invaded his personal life and left him almost lifeless due to depression provided the emotional resilience needed to pursue a very difficult victory in the Civil War and to reunite the nation. Now, I am not certain that Lincoln could have endured his presidency without the necessary refinement of mental illness. What I wanted to glean from Lincoln and so many other important historical figures, both good and bad, you heard the list, is that mental illness appears to play an important part in paradigm shifts and important phases in history and social development of all types. Mental illness provides unique and differing perspective of life in general, and even of the mundane. What we find is that many of the innovators from politics to music to art, and even the sciences, have suffered with extremely difficult circumstances that appear to lead to shifts in thinking and patterns of thinking. This is what we sometimes refer to as a paradigm shift. Somehow these individuals are appear to be able to approach long-term difficulties with a new set of eyes and with unending determination. Much of this new perspective comes from those difficult moments and unbearable trials and suffering. I am certain that not every innovator or painter or artist has suffered through mental illness, but innovators tend to have mental illness in much higher rates than the normal population and not by just a little bit. Something about the way mental illness changes the mind and views reality from new perspectives is important to the innovative personality. Mental illness also tends to create fortitude and determination in many individuals that is very, very important to their success. Now, I know that I write regularly about the difficulties of mental illness, but not everything about mental illness is problematic. Now, I had intended today to discuss one of the difficulties I have faced regularly with my personal concerns. I often struggle with relationships and socialization. I have always felt a little bit like an outsider, not really fitting in anywhere, but actually being able to communicate with a variety of persons. 
I don't have many deep friendships. I find most of the wards where I live to be a little strange as far as the people. And I do laugh internally when I say that, at least in, again, in my head. If everyone else is strange, then everyone else doesn't have the issue. If everyone else is strange, then the strange one is probably me. You know, in high school, I never really fit into any one group, and I tended to hang around a variety of people, but could never really understand social intricacies. The same was true for my mission, and has tended to be the same throughout my life. Strangely or not, the people I most often gravitate to also have mental illness. This is one thing that didn't seem strange to me about Lincoln. I have found that individuals with mental illness tend to marry individuals who either have mental illness or whose parents have suffered with it. I also gravitate towards individuals in my life who have mental illness. I feel a kinship with these people, even if I don't understand how they work through it personally, express it, or live with it. It doesn't seem to matter their particular moral identity. When I find that I like the work of a particular actor, actress, painter, artist, scientist, I often find that they deal with one, of the more, one or more of the symptoms of mental illness. And this is true even when I don't know that they are dealing or have dealt with it. I'm not entirely sure always how I seem to know intuitively, but I do. And I think for me, I see particular patterns in physical expressions that I recognize. What I see most often is just how often the innovators or those who create paradigm shifts in society, both good and bad ones, possess some type of emotional struggles. And not just once, but on a regular basis. Now, why this is important to me and to those of us who suffer, rather than see our illness as just one large, problematic, and difficult trial, one can see that great benefits arise from someone who suffers deeply, you know, who has learned through experience to see things differently and to form patterns distinct from what would be normal in our society. Yes, being different is a tough problem when you want to fit in. But when you want to make a difference in the world, then being different has significant advantages. Because our emotional state does not always match our external conditions, we learn to set aside our emotions and the reality that goes with them. Meaning that we learn to do something very naturally that most people cannot do, and that is to step outside of the reality of our emotional state. We are very good at seeing ourselves in third person, and that leads to learning the art and skill of masking, of course, among others. Now, if you define masking as the art of outwardly portraying one emotional reality while feeling an entirely different emotional reality, then you have basically described what an actor or entertainer does. I've often felt that many actors are as good as they are because of practice borne out by their illness. Now, while not all actors and actresses have mental illness, a high proportion of them do. And I believe that it is because their illness provides for what you might call masking training from a very early age. They are trained by their mental illness to mask. And that training translates very easy into a career in professional masking or what we might call entertainment. Now, this tends to be true for other types of professions. Although entertainment is one of the easier ones to note it in. And the other types, such as politics, sales, motivational speakers, and a host of leadership positions. Masking and the ability to step outside of the emotional fray 
are actually incredibly important skill sets to a variety of professions. Individuals with mental illness learn these skills naturally because they are forced to cope with difficult, deep, and often dark emotional moments. In addition to the ability to mask and the ability to step outside of one's reality is the fortitude obtained by working through years of emotional struggle. Another benefit to mental illness is the fortitude obtained by pushing against this mountain of emotions. Fortitude, emotionally and physically, is actually far more a mental exercise than one of energy or ability. You can ask any athlete. The greatest battle is always in the mind. Fortitude, a strong mental ability, can only be obtained by passing through serious difficulty. If our emotions are never really tested except in a limited capacity, our fortitude to stick to something or to accomplish goals and push through serious obstacles will actually never be developed. Those individuals who have been able to accomplish great things in life often come from a deprived, difficult, almost no-win situation. Mental illness could be and is defined in that way. It is one of those struggles in life that without reserve causes one to wrestle deeply with powerful emotional realities, and if approached with determination, can build a resolve, a resolute determination to succeed. Individuals with mental illness at times can be the most driven and persuasive people on the planet. They can also be so dogged in their approach that failure is not an option for them, and we see them overcoming great obstacles that would drag the normal man or woman back to their comfortable realities, rather than fighting that dragon at the gate. While mental illness can, and often does, cause many individuals to give up the fight, those who press through with some divine help will find that the skill set they obtain is valuable beyond compare. Now, you're not going to believe or see it when you are in the middle of an episode. And Lucifer certainly does not want you to ever realize your growing abilities. But I can tell you personally that those skills you develop will make you very unique to the world and provide a lens by which you can be very successful. There are great benefits to those who work through the practice exercises of mental illness. Now I realize that I make mental illness sound a little like a training program for the gifted. It certainly does not feel like it when you are passing through those dark episodes, and I doubt that anyone would say that their illness has provided great benefits. Because our learning, our experience, and our growth happen in the muddy trenches while we are warring within ourselves, growth is often very difficult to see no matter who you are. One, because it often happens so slowly. Two, because we cannot perceive or contrast and compare what we were to really what we are. And three, because we do not perceive it as growth. We perceive it more in the sense of history, reality, and experience. We rarely review any experience from the third person, and even more rarely do we compare the person we were and the person we become as we pass from one moment in time to another. But that something has actually provided for a change learning, understanding, and skills that are very much needed in a society stuck in a rut, in particular patterns. We cannot pass through mental illness without learning. It just isn't possible. 
And with that learning and understanding comes a perspective very few will ever be able to attain or experience. And that makes one different and distinctive when it comes to approaching the problems of the day, a profession, and the problems of life. So while we do have many concerns, issues, problems, and dark moments, I believe what has been said about mountains to climb. All suffering, distress, trouble, and trial teaches us profound doctrine and understanding about the human condition. And that power and those skills is, uh, that knowledge is power. Because it is knowledge that few will ever really attain, and it speaks to the very core of our faith, motivation, and life. While mental illness may be a serious trial in life, it can also be spoken of as a gift that provides for innovation and determination. And while we may seek its removal from our lives and some semblance of normalcy, we should also be grateful for its gift in our lives. If you get a chance, just look at a few of the historical figures that have dealt with mental illness. You will quickly see how profoundly important mental illness is in the arena of leadership and innovation. You will see the value, the motivation, and determination your illness can provide. Spiritually, you will see the gifts of the Spirit developed through your mental illness. Gifts such as charity, compassion, knowledge, understanding, faith, hope, and you will come ever closer to your Savior as you experience some of the same, very same emotions he did in the garden. May the Lord bless you to see the potential in your illness and the help you to develop those gifts most worth having. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.